All right, what's going on, folks? Hope you're all having a great week. Welcome to the cultural podcast, Samadamo, coming at you. Uh, still in Italy. This is Sam coming at you from Firenze. Just letting you know that we'll be back in a week. We'll be back in North America in a week. So uh, a couple of fun things planned in the weeks to come. But for now, until then, please enjoy this second pre-recorded podcast of the trip banked a couple of weeks ago with former MMA fighter and current comic on the Montreal circuit, James Mancini. Uh, Jamie, he's a WAP. He has a really cool, interesting background. Jamie was a wrestler who transitioned into MMA and is now doing comedy, just started recently, so we kind of got to know each other on the local circuit. And uh, he's a great guy. We had a great little chat. A little bit less cultural-centric this week, but it was interesting. I hope you guys stay tuned for it and do enjoy it. So without further ado, let's throw it over to our interview with Jamie Mancini, a little hang from a couple of weeks ago. Enjoy. Jamie, thanks for doing this, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, wearing the sunglasses and buying into the bit. I was saying you look, you look like you're doing a post-fight press conference right now. I'm uh, ready. Yeah, Put so, me in there. Yeah, yeah. Pre-fight. You look great. You look uh, ready to rock and roll. I like that. Um, so we're doing this in your studio over here. I like that you told me to take your shoes off. I like that you told me to take my shoes off. We're going Japanese in here. Asian style. Asian style. Clean, yeah. tight. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. That's I, Nobody really does that in an <laughs> office. This, that, this is a very Gen Z type operation. What did you say you guys do here? There's an ad agency. It's called Green Horizon, uh, run by Pascal Guzzo, Merlin Little, myself. Uh, we do everything, man. Whatever content you need. If you need, like, uh, you know, video, photo, videography, you need something, you know, you need ad, you need social media, you need a website, promotion, marketing, anything, man. We do it all. So guys come in here. Like, we have clients that are, you know, doctors, surgeons. Uh, we get their content. We got, obviously, like fight leagues. Um, yeah, we just uh, film film cool shit for people, put it out there for them, make it look good. The, uh, the model here is storytelling, so everything is very cinematic. It's very nice visually. And uh, I'm not the editor. I'm not the uh, creative director. So I don't know shit about that. But I know it looks good. It feels good. And it is good. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of buzzwords. I'm hearing uh, social media. I'm hearing uh, content creation. You said something else. that I, I don't know. I, I, I almost tuned out there. I almost tuned out. It's, it's, it's one of those places. It's yeah, one man. of those it's one of those. What we're, did trying you to, we're trying Story to Storytelling. That was yeah. the word. That was yeah. the word. Yeah. That was, that was it. That was it. Yeah. yeah. You guys are storytellers. Interesting. And the video editor is uh, injured right now. He just had what? Tommy Jones. No, no, no that's that, yeah. So Merlin Little, shout out to Merlin. He's on his, I think, I don't know, fifth, sixth. We can't even count anymore. Sixth, seventh week. He had his elbow surgery done. He had so Tommy John surgery or something, something and something. he can't not Tommy sit. Tommy John's, but, he, but it's something like that. He can't. Uh, poor Merlin, man. We bug him, but he's, uh, you know, Merlin, get better soon. We need you because uh, the office. We're grinding here, buddy. Yeah, he can't sit at his desk because he's injured and he's on the DL right now. He's off uh, off of surgery. Interesting. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, let's give people a little bit of a background as to who you are. By the way, so we're we're doing this in your uh, in your office. A little bit, a little bit of a bordel here. We uh, we've got what we we got handheld microphones. We got microphones which are like which probably really. These are not cheap. We probably shouldn't be touching these as much as we are. But, uh, you know, this is what it is. No no podcast boom arm. Um, you know, 
feel like fucking Freddie Mercury, just just fucking. You know, yeah, we're rocking. Keep, keeping man. the mic, we're keeping rocking. the mic, uh, just, ah, fucking, <laughs> like a, like a foot from my face. No, but um, so you are a you are a former MMA fighter, and I don't want to fucking focus on that too much because every time you get up on stage now, people. I think people 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 will introduce you yeah. as a former MMA fighter. It probably gets a little bit tired. You can't shake this this uh, this title, this 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 image of of being an athlete from your past. But it, it's 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 true, right? You trained out of TriStar, um, you know, one of the best gyms in the world, um, coached by Faraz, right? Um, Faraz Abbey. Yes, it's where it's where GSP trained out of, right? Mm. So it kind of became well-renowned as, as, as a result. And you were training out of there. You're a local guy though. You're a, you know, you're a Montreal WAP and you now do stand up. You're kind of like the Montreal Brendan Shaw is what I'm getting <laughs> at here. Um, you know, without the allegations of, uh, trying to fuck people out by your truck, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you're an interesting guy is my point, you know, and, uh, thanks, you're doing man. a lot of cool things. You're reinventing yourself as well. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed kind of just hanging out that. with you at a couple of the comedy clubs or a couple of the pubs where we do stand up here because the comedy scene is a little ratchet in Montreal. I think it's fair to say. But, you know, it's it, like that everywhere, bro. Right. Yeah. That's Especially at, at, you know, the, the local scene. So. Right. Well, anyway, ha- kind of having hung out with you a little bit, I enjoyed getting to know you. And I said, fucking come on the pod. This will be coming out probably while I'm in Italy. So we're not going to talk about how Napoli probably got fucked by VAR this weekend <laughs> or whatever. the fuck. I don't care. All right. It's a bonus episode, um, but yeah. So, so when are you going to Italy? I'm going in three days. So nice. at the time of recording, so this will probably come out in like week one or two. You're you're right behind Ian Edwards in the uh, oh, in the pecking damn. order. Yeah, I told you when I saw that you had him on, I was like, that is so cool that you got Ian Edwards on. Uh, shout out to him. Huge He's a great comedian. Guy. I'm a big fan. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, Very yeah. good dry humor. Very good dry humor. Yeah. His stand-up, his, he's actually a lot more funny on stage than he is co- than he is speaking, uh, unless yeah, you kind yeah, of, yeah. like, like, like for, the, for, the regular, for the regular civilian, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you're kind of tuned into his sense of humor, he, you, you'll enjoy it. You kind of got to riff with him and roll with him, but he's uh, he, very dry. But yeah. I liked him. He's a good guy, too. But um, so, so w- when did you start... MMA and how did that go for you? You know, Italian family, and I know it's you know there are Italian MMA fighters, not yeah. a ton of them, but there are uh, some well, of them out there. But but culturally, it's it's definitely not uh, it's not necessarily a background that is conducive to um, doing crazy shit. We yeah. tend to like to, and, and you know, let's not let's not let's not pretend that there aren't a bunch of fucking degenerate Italians who are uneducated and don't go to school and shit. But generally, there's this immigrant idea that you got to go to school and do the safe thing and, and you know, you didn't do that. Or if you, you're, or if you're one of the girls, you go into what the, you go into like marketing uh, or something, no, or, or work nails, for a bank, or nails. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. If Makeup. you're a dude, if you're a dude, if you're a dude, you do construction. <laughs> if you're a lady, you become a hairdresser. Right, but but esthetician. They yeah, or you know, but whatever. Get a trade or become educated. Yeah. Do something. So, how did your family kind of react to you doing this? How did it even happen? Were you a wrestler back in uh, high school? Maybe take me back to yeah exactly yeah. First of all, well, my father's Italian, my mother is French Irish, so I have the the fighting Irish laddie, the fucking fighting Irish laddie, Jesus, Maria, and Joseph. No, uh, yeah. So I got some Irish in me, got some French, and then half Italian. And uh, yeah, man, I started like wrestling in high school. It was very popular in the West Island when I started, and this is the uh, mid to late nineties. It was actually very popular, even in the early nineties, late eighties. Um, there was like a wrestling boom of high schools that all the high schools had wrestling. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when I started. It was cool thing to wrestle. It wasn't. It wasn't very. Uh, 
it wasn't just a bunch of men in tights. You know, what, what people thought it was later. That's why people stopped doing it. The teacher strike killed us in the uh, late 90s, though. That killed a lot of the local schools. So if you're from Montreal, you realize that the West Island, you think it's a bunch of rich kids. No, we had a bunch of tough wrestlers there. Shout out to all those schools. Lindsay Place, BHS, Riverdale, Pierrefonds Comprehensive. All those schools wrestled. Dude. So it was a huge thing to go wrestle one of the other schools and your team. And like we had pride at PC right, right, right. before I got kicked out because they kicked me out. But um, what did you do, man? I, they, in grade 10, they called me up in the summer and they're like, you can't come back to school. And I was like, are you serious? What for? What did you do? I, I guess I think it was just an uh, amalgamation of being a bad kid and fool. not bad. I wasn't bad. I wasn't negative, but I just fooled around too much. Like they couldn't keep me in class. I couldn't shut up. That's why we're doing we're comedians now. Right. right we just right, couldn't shut right. the fuck up. So that call kind of killed my parents. And I'm trying to work on a bit right now about that, about how that whole thing happened. I, I, I worked at a few times at the, at the local scene at some of the mics, but I haven't sort of put it together. And I've been, um, been kind of motivated by, um, what's his name? Uh, Chris DiCefano, who has this whole bit about how his father went to school and got him back yeah, in school. Right. So I got yeah, that, school. That's an incredible bit. Yeah, not the, exactly. the 9-11 bit. Yeah. So I got a school, how, I got a bit how, uh, how it's kind of the opposite. Nobody got me back in school. But are, anyways, you a yeah, are you a storyteller? Because um, I've only seen you do stand-up once. And uh, you, you're looking pretty comfortable for a guy who just started out a year ago. You know, you're having yeah. fun up there. But I, I couldn't really gauge what exactly you were doing. You were kind of fucking around a little bit with the crowd. Are you, are you a storyteller? Because so, I'm trying to figure out what I still have. Yeah, you know what I so mean? And right storytelling now, is a whole Yeah, the only part. way to do it, man, don't listen to anybody. Um, just keep doing it. Like, there are different, you know, there's storytellers, there's one-liners, there's dry humor, there's deadpan. Forget all that stuff. There's nerdy. Forget all that stuff. Just see what you like to do, and then you'll figure it on stage. Because for me, what you saw on when, uh, Sunday, Friday, shout out this Friday, straight out of Montreal, I have my first show that I'm hosting. I yeah, the, the, this will be coming out after the show. But, oh, shit. But it, but it is anyway. exciting. But it is still exciting for you. You are hosting Yeah, so I'm hosting show, my first is... show. So the thing, and I am a show host. I do, you know, animating, uh, commentating. Right, we're right, we're right. going all over the place. But the point is, what you saw was Sunday was me practicing crowd work because I will be doing my first show. And obviously, the host obviously does crowd work. Yes. So back to fighting, man. Yeah, I wrestled all through high school. It went super well. That's the only thing that got me back into school when I got kicked out. I went to go to another school. They said, you know, you, you can go to Riverdale. Shout out mm -hmm. to Riverdale mm -hmm. for having me. As long as you reinvent the wrestling program, which I did for a year, obviously it was defunct once I left. Yeah, that's they a pretty low it. bar, by the way. Like Riverdale is like I know some <laughs> fucking I know some fucking skangmen who went to Riverdale, and uh, this is a very local. I mean, most uh, the majority of the listenership is not in Montreal, but do I? But it's whatever, it's one of them schools. Okay, yeah. I know a lot of skangmen who went there, and the fact that they said we'll only take you on the condition <laughs> that. That you reinvent the wrestling program. Yeah. Either you were a fucking you were they, a fucking delinquent child, they, or they, or they 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 they, they slow rolled you. They would have taken you in regardless, and they were like, "Fuck it, we may as well try to get something out of this. Let's at least let's make him think that the only way he's gonna get in here is if he does something for us." The only thing it is a public school. The only they thing Riverdale. Had, I was just gonna say that. So it's also public, and the only thing Riverdale had going for them was that they had a uniform, so it looked the part. But hell yeah, man, that was a bad school too. And in terms of the kids that were there, um, obviously good teachers. There's some good stuff about the school, but it wasn't. It wasn't like I was going to one good school, going to a bad school, or a bad school. Going to, no, it was a. You know, it was a. It was a rough. Um, it was a rough public school into another public school. So I wrestled all through high school, got myself on the national team, uh, worked hard, and then yeah, I started fighting at like. Um, 28, 29 years old. I didn't throw a punch until I was 28, 29 years old. Jeez. A couple of years later, I'm fighting for a world title, fought for another world title, and just got out. And I always told myself, look, when I get out, I'm going to quit from fighting. Fighting's not going to quit me, so I'm going to get out with my offices, with, with my, uh, my ability to speak, talk shit. And uh, 
obviously be able to do things I want to do. And I like that you said I'm trying to reinvent myself because I haven't even thought of it that way. But um, that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things you kind of just have to do and, and, and do what feels right. It's like you were saying with comedy, you know, don't overthink it, just do it. And then, you know, it's it's like, you know, it's the same thing in this case, you know. You want it, you want it to kind of shift the paradigm a little bit, change up what you're doing, just do it. You know what I mean? You don't have, you don't have to come up with this whole... I mean, some, this works for some people, but you don't have to necessarily sit down and write out this whole fucking roadmap or this life plan or, 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 you know, your goals. I mean, some people think it can help. I don't know. Maybe that's why they're more successful than I am at this point in my life. But, you know, I don't know. But I, I just kind of roll with the punches. I also, you know, I also do I also do a lot. I, I, I get it. You kind of just have to do whatever the hell interests you. In the case of comedy, too, I think it's interesting because you mentioned, like, just don't overthink it. The one kind of piece of advice that I keep hearing that's, like, overarching above everything else is to just do it because mm -hmm. so, so I've gotten some good advice I've gotten some bad advice too from people that I don't I don't necessarily you know know, know that I care to even even take advice heed, heed to the advice right but but you know you people often give unsolicited advice I've also gotten advice from people who I really respect and and it's been better but kind of one one theme though that I think is is um present in any bit of advice that I've gotten from anyone is to just fucking do the thing. Yeah. So, so just showing up is, is, is huge too. Like, yeah, well you, you asked me, you, you're saying like, uh, sorry to interrupt, interrupt. No, no, you, no. But you're saying fine. we that interrupt all kinds on, the <laughs> you're, you're saying like, what kind of comedian am I? I don't even know yet. Right. And I heard like some people say it takes a hundred shows. Some people say it takes a thousand shows. I don't know. Knows. I mean, I have my premise of things I talk about, which is fighting family and relationships and everything that encompasses my life around those three aspects. Now, um, you know what I'm I don't know I mean I try to I watch guys on the scene that are opposite of me so who would be like me maybe someone like you someone like Andrew Schultz someone like Joe Rogan I don't watch those people because they're like me they're high energy and I'm already gonna be like that so I'm trying to work on my weaknesses which is like that's why I didn't fighting right I work on my weaknesses I know you, you have to fall back on your skills but you work on your weaknesses so I know that if I have to bring the energy I'll bring the energy that's why I'm so excited to host however I'm not the wittiest guy. I'm not the smartest guy. So I don't. I know that watching guys like Hadi Kuba, Ben Cardili, Nazir Khan, guys in the scene that yeah. are super on the, the these, Montreal yeah, scene. These, these are local guys who, who we know. Yeah, local comedians. And shout out to those guys because they're really good. But what I like watching about those guys is they're the opposite of me. Yeah, they're sharp. They're sharp. So they show me that. Hey, look, you can also. I can do my high energy. They're style. the opposite of me. They're, they're sharp. They're sharp and fucking funny. <laughs> I'm dull. And, and not funny. It, yeah. So what I'm trying to say is by watching people who, who aren't like me, because I remember I was having a conversation at the at the Sunday show with Nazir, Nazir Khan, fun, super funny guy. And again, like when I met this guy, I was like, how the hell? Like this is before I did comedy. I saw him at the gym. He started jiu-jitsu and stuff. And I'm like, how the hell could this guy do comedy? It doesn't make any sense because here's a guy who's, you know, he's dry when you speak to him. When you get on stage, he's even more dry. But the guy's witty and he's full of punchlines. So it made me realize that, hey, man, I've got to have some punchlines in within my storytelling, within my high energy, within all the shit that I do, because I talk a mile a minute too. Yeah, there's so, a lot of different types of comedy too. Yeah. Like, like, like he's just not my, he's not my style. You know, like, like I'm not that way. I'm different. I'm a little more neurotic. I'm a little bit more all over the map. But me too. But you know? that's why I watch yeah. guys like that because I'm trying to. Yeah. I, if, if think of like, look at Andrew Schultz for example. Andrew Schultz right now he's blowing up. But if you can be high energy, and you could get people engaged with your energy just by your presence, and on top of that, you're hitting them with firework punchlines. Then man, you're yeah, gonna he, be he, good. He's, he's a he's a craftsman. You know what I mean? He's he's a little like he he's he brings energy, but he's also not yelling. He's not all over the place. You know, Rogan's very yeah, yeah, physical. You know, Maniscalco yeah. very physical. Rogan yeah. yells a lot. 
he, he, he is kind of conversational, Schultz, but but he's he, he's very crafty. But apparently, yeah, he's smart too. And apparently, um, Maniscalco wasn't like that when he started. If you talk to some, of the, you hear some of the people talk about it. Um, when he started like 20, 25 years ago, he was trying to do like the acting thing. And he was like all about headshots, clean. Uh, he's still pretty clean, but he was much different. He wasn't a physical comedian. I think that like, like you know, it, it, he, it's interesting because he talked about it taking years for him to develop that style. I could see that. Yeah. Just being a guy who's starting because you have good nights and then you have nights that don't go as well. And you're yeah. like, okay, what's, what's wrong? What's yeah. wrong here? Because there's something... And you know, is it because I'm getting too comfortable already? There's a lot of factors, but I, again, what it seems to ultimately boil down to is to just keep doing the fucking yeah, man, thing. You have to, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You, you mentioned you mentioned some schools in the West Island, bro. You made me laugh. You mentioned Lindsay Place, which again, nobody's really gonna know who listens to the pod, but it doesn't matter. I met a guy who claimed to have gone to that school last week with a face tattoo, upside down. It was an upside down heart, and he said uh, he, he he was talking about how he grew up in the in the projects. In, in in an affluent area of Montreal, he was talking about how uh, he named the neighborhood that doesn't exist. He said, I "Grew up in Delmar, which is not a thing. It's like a street in like a suburban area, or Point Claire. Yeah, yeah, which is like a very. It's like probably uh, one of the most affluent areas in all of Quebec. And the guy was trying to unironically convince me that he was from the projects, and he had a face tattoo, and he was running a stand-up show in a bowling alley, which I did. And um, there were two people there. There was a doorman. It was in a Jamaican enclave. He asked me if we wanted spice. It was near Riverdale. He asked me if we wanted, uh, if I wanted spice rum. I was like, nah, I got to go to soccer practice after this, which is a bit of a pussy fucking thing to say. You know, <laughs> fucking 25 years old. I'm going to soccer practice. What the fuck? You know, how old am I? But yeah, I was doing stand up for two of his friends and uh, I got up and I said, and this is the night that they went out of business. Fucking, you know, tonight was the night that this fucking bowling alley went out of business. And he said, hey, brody, you want to get to your fucking soccer show or you want to get to your soccer game? You want to get to your soccer practice? I was like, all right, not going to fuck around with a guy with a face tattoo. Yeah. It's a heart. It's a little deceptive. You know what I mean? It's upside down heart. It's like a fucking uh, boom. It's like that jab. You know what I mean? It's deceptive. He fucking lures you in. Pa. You know what yeah. I mean? But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a larger point. I just thought that was funny. Yeah, Lin Lindsay, but you have a lot of guys who go to this school. I guess it's like you ha you kind of had like all the trash in like the uh, in the otherwise affluent suburb that would go to that one school. It was kind of funny. Yeah. You just, you, some of the schools you shouted out, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to paint a picture here for people who don't understand what these schools are. To be fair, you do have a lot of tough kids who go there. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> like, that's the thing about, I, I mean, that's the thing with the West Island area of Montreal, because again, like you, you grew up there. Um, people think, you know, Italian, we have this WAP privilege and shit. Bro, there's like a, a lot of, there's in, in the West Island of Montreal, there's a lot of, um, Good and bad. And I think there's like that everywhere. But specifically when people from outside of Montreal, outside of the West Island, think like the West Island, they think we're all rich kids. We're all this and that. It's not like that. Like I grew up more pure from Sunny Group. Yeah. Sunny Brook. My I dad was privilege. middle class. But I got privilege. Yeah, we you know? got it. But I, I got, I have, listen, uh, whatever the fuck you want to talk about, I fit those stereotypes. Then you got guys in Pierrefonds, like where my girlfriend's from, where you got like, you know, her, her neighbor's own body shops. Yeah. You know what I mean? And some of them are a little bit more successful, but they get their hands dirty and yeah, shit. Yeah, for sure. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm naming, we're throwing out neighborhoods here, but. Same shit in Philadelphia or New Jersey, wherever the fuck, you know, a lot of people listen on the East Coast of the U.S. Same shit, same yeah. energy. You know what I mean? It's, it, you have some that choose the educational route, others that don't. But, but ultimately, it's, it's, yeah. it, it is a culture that tends to value um, merit and, and work, though. You know, uh, here in particular. In Italy, it's a little bit different. Yeah. There is a lot more uh, uh, corruption and laissez-faire uh, uh, 
there's more of a laissez-faire mentality, I suppose. It's much more relaxed pace, as a society. Pace is slower in Europe. It is. Yeah. It is. I lived in Italy for about two months. Well, lived. I mean, I was training there. I was wrestling on the national team for what, Italy. What was that like? Is that the national team that you made? You said you made the no, national no, no. Team. In Canada, I wrestled Canadian national team for about seven years. But I wrestled uh, in 2016. I took a break from fighting to try one more Olympic Games for Italy, just to have some fun. Um, I was really testing out a new weight class in fighting, so I said, "Hey, look, that they opened up that weight class for the Olympics in wrestling." Yeah. Um, Our feet just touched under I know. the table. It's by the way, that was, that, was, that, was, that was kind of that was kind of yeah. That we neither of us knew how to react. To. That was like the fucking uh, that was like Michelangelo, the creation. I was just fucking, about to say something, but you said um, yeah. The Sistine Chapel, dude. We just fucking yeah. Touch feet and just we pulled, we pulled away. Yeah. Why is it okay to fucking fist bump, but you it's, can't foot foot bump? It's like on a first date. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's like when you're 14, you accidentally touch a woman's tit on the first. Date. Oh shit! What the fuck? Yeah. Sorry. So I, so I ended up going to Italy in 2016 to try to make their national team. I made their national team. Try to qualify for the Olympics. And it was kind of a test where I was testing out a new weight class. So I was, I was working on my nutritionist. It was really tough because I was going down a weight class and the food in Italy is so good. So I was on such a strict diet. What weight class did you fight at? Because you already fought at like a really low weight in MMA. You were a flyweight at 125. Yeah, I, I, at? I wrestled uh, 132. Okay. And then I ended up fighting at 135. And after a couple of years fighting and the, the kind of the nutrition and the... Um, the training and everything, the science was getting so advanced that the guys were slamming themselves down so much. So the guys at 135 that I was fighting ended up being really big. Like ended up, you know, guys that walk around 160, 165. So you start to realize that I don't have the frame to to make a successful run at 135. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go down to 125, which was a big cut. But uh, again, with the help of Jeff Goudreau and really good nutritionists here in Quebec, we, we got the weight down. And again, the whole trial was to go to try it for wrestling. Yeah. Have fun. I had a citizenship in Italy. I have a passport. Right, right. Because my dad's from there, born uh -huh, there. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I was like, yo, man, I still kept in touch with my coach. I'm like, hey, when is your Olympic trials? And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, when is your Olympic trials? That's was, awesome. Yeah. And that yeah. was in the end of 2015. And he was like, early February 2016. If you win this shit with your pedigree from Canada, they'll definitely... Uh, you know, allow you to go to the Olympic qualifying tournaments because once you're Italian champion or Canadian champion, it's like soccer. You know, once you're the, you once you represent the country, well, then for the World Cup, you have to qualify the country to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Not every country can go to the World Cup yeah. in soccer, right? You have to qualify top 32 go, or I think it is. Exactly. So in wrestling, it's the same thing. Top 20 or 16, depending on where it is, uh, what time, and your weight class go. So just being Italian champion wasn't good enough. You had to qualify internationally, which is what I tried to do, man. And, and, and it was great because... I'm wrestling for another country. I, uh, I had another country that was back at me, making some pretty good coin. And I was having an opportunity, my last opportunity, to try for my third Olympics. No, 2008, 12, 16. Yeah, my third Olympics, my last shot. I didn't qualify. That's the only thing in wrestling I never did. I did everything else, you know, Commonwealth Games, World Championships, World Universities, Pan Ams. I did everything in wrestling except the Olympic Games, which is okay, man. I don't regret it. I gave it a shot. But... That was cool to be in Italy, but it was tough. It was tough because the food's so good, and I was going down a weight class. So that's not what you want to do in Italy. Yeah, where were you living? <laughs> so I was living at the, the Olympic Training Center, which is um, it's in Ostia, which is in Rome. Yeah, yeah. It's basically the if you want to, it would be like the suburbs of Rome. So yeah, the last, yeah, yeah, the every, last, the last, the last subway stop of Rome is Ostia. That's where the Olympic Training yeah, Center. Yeah, it's, it's a trashy beach town. Exactly. Yeah, right. you know it. Of yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. A yeah. trashy beach town. It's, a very it's like if the West Island had a beach. It's <laughs> a very trashy beach town where, where where the Roman trash go. You know. I can't believe you fucking know it, man. Yeah. That's, it. that's no, exactly what it is. None <laughs> of the none of the bankers go there. You yeah, got the you yeah. got the working class. My fucking, coaches were all surfing. It was Lazio crazy. Ultras. 
who fucking who fucking may or may not have fascist tendencies. That's exactly what it is. Go man. down to Ostia. Yeah, yeah. How exactly. do you know Italy so well? Just just immersing myself in the culture, reading about it, having yeah. been back many times, yeah, watching yeah. content from. The, I don't know. Yeah, I, you know. I, That's I, exactly what I, I, lo- I just I, I love it, man. I don't know. I, just, yeah. I kind of fell in love with the. Co- I fell in love. I mean, I grew up with it, and I kind of just stayed connected with That's it. That's where all. I was, man. So That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's a good place to fight out of. That's a good place to kind of keep you hardened. You're not, yeah. you know, it's not pretty. Yeah. You know, and wrestlers kind of need that. Wrestlers are bad motherfuckers. You guys are like, you guys will, you guys will fight anyone, any <laughs> place, anywhere, right? That's kind of the whole mentality. And and there's a big emphasis on um, the infrastructure in wrestling, right? Because you guys only have the Olympics, and and um, you know, you guys have. Yeah. It's not like MMA, for example, where there's a bunch of like random promotions where yeah. you can make decent money, but. There's, there's actually very little money in wrestling, generally, right? But it's all about the integrity of the sport and the structure, right? You, you yeah. go through trials and, and you, you know. There are a few professional leagues in some of the uh, wrestling uh, hotspots like, like Iran. Or, yeah, Iran yeah. and uh, Turkey, uh-huh. India. There are, in Germany, there are some professional leagues. But again, you're, like you said, because it's so few and far between, you're going to have all the killers wrestling there. It's really hard to get into there. And, um, you know, I, I could have maybe wrestled for the Bundesliga I would have probably wrestled in the third division at where I was at, but um, yeah, it's 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 like you said. It's you know, there's a exactly like you said. There's an infrastructure. It's very clear what everybody wants to do. They want to go to the World Championships and go to the Olympic Games, and that's it. So again, obviously, what's interesting is people say, oh, in the U.S. they have like NCAA, and everybody wants to be like a state champ and national champ in in, in the collegiate style. But you know, I'm talking specifically about freestyle international wrestling or Greco-Roman wrestling. And every country has their own kind of wrestling. So in the U.S., they have collegiate. In Japan, they have sumo, you know. And in, in, uh, Mongolia, they have Mongolian wrestling, Turkish oil wrestling, Indian wrestling. So every country has their wrestling. But I'm talking about, like you said, uh, basically the, uh, the international styles. And, and how, how, how does sambo kind of mix in with wrestling? There's more emphasis on grappling there. Like, it's take, like sambo starts standing up, right? So they got to take you down. But then it kind of becomes a bit like judo or like jujitsu. Yep. Is that what so it is? So sambo is a Russian style. It's uh, you're wearing the the gi jacket on top. I don't. I think you wear regular shorts on the bottom, and it, the emphasis is on grabbing the jacket and throws like judo. There is wrestling takedowns and then uh, submissions on the ground. So when you get to the ground, the objective is not to pin the person; it's to submit the person. So you're right. It's a mix of judo and wrestling. Yeah. It's pretty much that's what it would be. I, I get. I mean, again, I'm not that versed on it. I've never really watched it. But from what I understand, that's that's what it is. I it's a it, Russian style. Yeah, it you know? makes sense why there's so many bad motherfuckers out of Russia, just because they're kind of learning two skill yeah. sets at once. Because they always talk about how, you know, they sorry, I was I spoke spoke like a fucking idiot there. Uh, people, MMA fighters, will often talk about how their ground game is strong or how they're great yeah. at stand up. But what a lot of people kind of fe- what I feel like a lot of people neglect is the takedown, right, or the threat of the takedown. And I guess they kind of have a background in both, just by growing up doing sambo those who do sambo right they kind of they're not just they're not just focused on submitting you once you get to the ground they're also they're gonna take you there they're gonna they're they're gonna they're gonna take you to a really tough place because it's hard to fucking you know uh, and then there's something called takedown and there's something called combat sambo with like helmets and stuff with gloves and you get hit too and that yeah yeah it's like that dagestani uh basketball you ever see you ever see we play play basketball with uh at the montreal wrestling club with the russians that's what we play i played that growing up every day i still play on friday morning yeah what is it just full contact basketball where you guys can i would call it like rug ball it's like rugby basketball yeah 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 i have a version of that with my friends that we play um 
in the pool. It's called pool basketball, and yeah. it's like yeah, it's like just, ga- it's like Gaelic football or like water polo rugby, with uh, basketball. water polo basketball. Yeah. yeah, like you you could drown each other. The only thing you can't do is like punch or drown. <laughs> we say you can't drown, but you kind of can. Yeah. Like if you're pulling a guy under, you, the res- the respectful thing to do is you can kind of keep hanging on him, but you gotta. Bring him up for air, and then you can fucking submit him back underwater. I'll never forget, man. We we did that because shout out to Victor Zildman, my wrestling coach. So I love, I, oh, yeah, a lot of a lot of people are gonna know these people that you're shouting for out. Sure, by the man. Way. I yeah, hope you guys look the people this, up. This I don't care. I don't care. These are my people. Um, but anyways, he so he was a teacher at Vanier, and when we do it at Vanier, so we would kind of he had a he had a gym class, he had a phys ed class, and we would do that. We would play that game in the pool. With the basketball nets, but basically you're just playing basically rugby or water polo it's the with the basketball nets. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget, there's one big Polish dude. He kind of like, we got really physical. He was so big and he kind of pushed my hand underwater. So I dragged him on the rack and I pushed him underwater. And we got into a full-on fight. And we're like fighting in the water. And I rem- I'll never forget, Victor's just watching this. And he like, I, I still to this day don't know if he likes me more or less. I think he likes me more because I challenged that big Polish dude in his class. But uh, yeah, I wasn't taking shit from no one, man. It was, uh, those were good times, man. So how did you go through all of your 20s without doing MMA, without throwing a punch? By the way, I meant to ask you, was it just because you were wrestling and trying to make the Olympic teams in yeah. respective years and you were able to kind of supplement your your, your 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 lifestyle by what training people, I suppose, like a lot of athletes do? Is that what you were doing? Yeah, well, when you're on the national team, you, you become carded. So I was a card athlete. I had I received Canadian funding. Uh, I was training people on the side, and I was always um, – uh, you know, doing some odd jobs. Like I was always trying to work, make some money, but you know, it's still you're hustling. Yeah. It's decent money when you're a national team member and you don't have to pay for anything, you know? Um, so it's, it's not bad. Um, and then, yeah, I think like, I'll never forget. I was like running one day and it was training for the, I think 2012 Olympic trials. And all of a sudden I just kept, kept having images of fighting. Like I kept having images of like, I would try to visualize like now, you know, you visualize stand up or visualize whatever else I'm doing. And I kept, I was trying to visualize wrestling, the, tr- the big tr- tournament I had coming up, the Canadian Olympic trials for wrestling to represent Canada at the Olympics. And I kept visualizing um, fighting. And I hadn't fought. My brother was a kickboxer. So I had all, everywhere to, to train. I was obviously close with GSP because he was coming to the wrestling club and we were good friends. So I had an in at TriStar. But, and they had me sometimes. Those guys had me at TriStar training with them. So you're kind of in the world already to an extent. I was in the world because I was training with like Eamon Zahabi, Ivan Menjavar, Yves Jabouin. All, the, uh, all these guys were, these are local fighters that when the UFC opened up the 135s, 145s, they all called me and they were like, hey man, you got to wrestle with me. I'm going to the UFC. You're right, right, I right. was like, dope. I guess after training with them, I started visualizing fighting for some reason. I couldn't get out of my mind. So I'm like, man, I got to fight. I started training three months when I, when I retired from wrestling in 2012. Or 2013, I trained for about three months, and uh, they put me in a, in a professional MMA fight, and that went well. I won by knockout, got KO of the year, and uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I actually remember um, learning about you for the first time before I even knew you were doing stand-up, and before I even done before I'd even done a spot myself. I think it might have been like earlier in the year, maybe around the Christmas holidays. I was watching a fight TV, and I saw an old TKO fight. And it was your last. It was your last victory. It was one of your last fights. Um, it was from like Could've I been. guess three years. It was from like three years ago, yeah. I think. Uh, Jordan fought that night. I think Cyril Gan fought that night as mm. well. Um, we were talking about the other night how fucking shitty it is that that promotion doesn't exist anymore. But you were kind of, I don't know. You, you kind of, you kind of implied that you weren't surprised just because of the nature, I guess, of fight promotion and how. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's not easy, man. And, and Quebec is a really really tough province uh, to own, to run a small business, small to medium sized business. So, um, the government does have their hand in a lot of, yeah, yeah, it's uh, tough. I mean, you know, you're you're seeing it, you see with these smaller promotions, you see, uh, I guess, uh, survival of the fittest and, uh, 
Yeah, TKO. They were the biggest in Canada. Yeah, it's argue. Yeah, yeah, they were the biggest in Canada. I mean, there was that. No, I think they were. Yeah, you. you I mean, in right? terms of like notoriety, the fighters had coming. The the production was great. Now Samurai is used, Samurai. The, what I work for, I do commentating and ring announcing for Samurai MMA. Shout out to them. They're the new big thing. They're gonna have their third show September second. That's awesome. Better watch that shit. This is before September second. Second, right? Probably. Samurai MMA Pro- is a sick show, and they use the same production that TKO used. So you'll have all the same production value. Um, they've got a lot of the same. Um, Mentalities, ideologies, building up local guys, but also giving them tough fights, which I love. So that's uh, that's awesome. But yeah, man, it's it, running fight leagues, man. And I've I've been behind the scenes. I work with XMMA very closely. Uh, XMMA is a league that you know it's run out of Montreal, out of, on the reserve, kind of walkie. Shout out to those guys. But uh, they run shows down south. So we just came back from South Carolina. We did Miami. We did New Orleans. So just being behind the scenes and seeing how tough it is to run an MMA show, man. Holy shit, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, from what I've heard, is it sounds like it's a business where it, it's very hard to be sustainable. It's like every boxing fight. I was saying this to you the other day. I used to, I, I've heard, I heard, Chael, I've heard Chael Sonnen say this all the time. Every boxing event is a is a going out of business sale. It's it's hard to be sustainable. It's hard to kind of, yeah. you, you hear about fighter pay and and. Um, you know, is Dana paying them enough? And you could listen. The UFC has a fat margin. Maybe they could probably afford to. But you, you also understand the sustainability model of it, right? He's been they've been doing it for twenty fucking years. Yeah. He's well longer, but he's been doing it for over twenty years. Yeah, they're looking. They're putting on events every fucking weekend. That's tough. You know, a lot of these smaller production, a lot of these smaller productions, a lot of these smaller promotions yeah. are, are putting them on every few months or every few weeks. And that's, that's I fought for one in uh, I fought for one in Red Deer, Alberta. They fought once a year in an oil town. So. Like you said, I mean, he's probably it was packed. He probably made money once a year, but you know, I guess these guys, these fight promoters, have other jobs. You know, they're gotcha. doing it maybe for the love, maybe to make a bit of extra cash, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. because they have uh, they have other companies backing them that are going to sponsor the events, so they have some money. Maybe they have a contract with UFC Fight Pass. Uh, like you said, they're you know they're they're dishing out uh, a lot of times their own money, but sometimes when they can get funding, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't know all the ins and outs to it. I kind of understand a little bit now after working with XMA. But man, it's a, uh, that's a hustle, man. Uh, how so? Are the rules different for um, people operating out of a native reserve? Because you mentioned that XMMA is out of Kanawaki, which is it's a native, it's a Native American or an Aboriginal. I don't know what you call. It. I don't know what the fuck you call it. These are Jesus Christ. I don't, indigenous. Yeah, whatever. yeah, indigenous. Thank you, thank you for fucking saving me right there. Just for laughs, a couple of weeks ago, every fucking show they would acknowledge that they were on native grounds, and we thank them for. Uh, for their hospitality, <laughs> even though we, even though we, we the white men, not not you and I, you know, our ancestors were fucking, you know, our ancestors were slaving away in uh, on on fields, illiterate at the time. But you know, other other white people that looked like us were fucking, you know, smoking them in a war. But you know, we're the, by the way, we're the worst conquerors ever. You know, white people win a war, and then uh, this is how you know the empire's ending. We're apologizing for winning the war, but so so anyway, so on on indigenous reserves, the rules are often different, right? Just generally. Um, I guess kind of as a token of, of, of acknowledgement for the fact that, you know, uh, people that look like us might have fucked them over a little bit a few hundred years ago. Hey, you know, don't don't pay tax on cigarette sales type of thing. Is it the same thing with MMA? Because we give them casinos typically. Because, dude, I find that Kanawaki is like Disney World. Any native reserve is like Disney World, bro. They got fucking cheap, cheap, cheap smokes, <laughs> cheap, sm- cheap, cheap gas, fireworks, golf, you yeah. know, fucking poker palace. It's, it's, it's great. You, know, yeah. you, you add fighting into the mix? Are you kidding me? Um, so, so how does it work? Is it the fact that they operate out of a, a reservation? I don't even know if that's a politically correct word, but let's, let's you know, how's it, if it's not a politically correct word, I'm pleading ignorance. 
is the fact that they operate out of a reservation um, beneficial to them in some way for like tax purposes? Is that the only point? Yes, I'm not sure about tax purposes, but they do have different laws. Uh, they have their own kind of, uh, they have their own municipality, their own law. Uh, so GSP started fighting on the reservation, on the reserves right. in Kanawaki. Right, so when right. he started, there, you know, obviously MMA was not legal with the gaming commission here in uh, in Quebec. So his all his first fights were on on the reserve on native right. land because so, because they don't follow uh, they, they, they don't law. follow they don't follow civil so even, law even they follow uh, the law of the uh, of the uh, of the chief of, yeah. the, of the deer they follow the deer, right so yeah I don't know what the fuck they follow but they follow <laughs> the, some shit and the, the moon or the, the the you know whatever shout out to Fight Quest they're revamped they haven't been fighting since the pandemic they're coming back it's an amateur show amateur MMA show it's gonna be back in Kanawaki yeah man like you said um, we're not even allowed to have amateur MMA shows anymore. Here in Quebec, they have their own law. GSP started fighting there, dude. When GSP started fighting, it was nuts. You had people smoking in the crowd. You had it was like the gloves. Like who knows if you if there was there was no commission, you could wrap however the hell you Cement want. Cement in the gloves. It was, uh, yeah. you know, people. You know, you could say all you want about GSP. That's a tough guy, man. That's a tough motherfucker because what he did to starting from there, man, and and like shout out to Christophe Midou and his mentor and all these guys that had to go through that shit back then shout out to the entire fight scene in Canada while Dude, we're at it it's, uh, the entire Canadian fight scene let's just let's just rattle off the gra the, the 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 what is it the Oscar acceptance speech just shout them all out <laughs> shout out to all those Canada's people Canada's riffraff no it's it was uh, they're a good group man it's, we're a small community but uh, yeah it's like comedy I find that there's a lot of similarities of comedy man there's a lot of similarities a lot a lot a lot yeah, a lot of psychopaths with uh, fucking uh, funny characters with, with mental deficiencies, you yeah. know, either for, through yeah. brain damage or through uh, fucking just being like sociopathic yeah. narcissists <laughs> with mental illness. You know, you've got it all. A lot of similarities. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that's that's wild, man. I think a lot about the fact that um, I think a lot about the fact that there are fighters who don't even there are fighters who don't even think they're necessarily going to do much in the sport. I think you have some people that are kind of insane enough like comics to think I could do this professionally. I think you also have people that are just aggressive and want to fight. That's what's that's what's really cool yeah. about some of the smaller shows is I think a lot of the <laughs> older guys in their 30s have no false illusions yeah. about where they're going. They're just like, yeah, I need a payday. This works. I'll risk very severe injury to... Uh, to entertain the crowd, you know, I'll dance on a string for you people. Yeah, gladiators in a ring. It's like you said. Um, yeah, there, some guys are collecting a paycheck. I find it's interesting you say that because I find in fighting you have like the the fighters and then you have the athletes. So I consider myself an athlete more like GSP. Um, well, yeah, you tried to go to the Olympics. For well, you Christ take it sake. like yeah, yeah, but even in fighting, I was taking it like a sport. I was taking it like okay, it's a game of tag. I'm trying to hit, not be hit. How can I figure out this equation? How can I be as technical and as smart as possible about my strategy and my style and implement it? And like you said, there's a lot of people who are in this sport because you know they 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 fight. They're fighters, and I don't I don't take anything away from them. It's just exactly like you said. Those are the kind of guys that it usually tend to have less of a clear path. And I'm only saying that because if you look at the UFC champions, you're not seeing a lot of scrappers, a lot of fighters. I think you have to have fight in you. But I think to be the best, if you're looking at the best, like you, you watch soccer, you look at the best guys. Yes. Um, if you want to look at the, what it takes to be the best, you know, you have to have fundamentals, you have to have a good game plan, you have to have good diet, you have to have good strategy. And all these things usually don't encompass fire. Now, I could be judging, but, and I fought a lot of fighters in my career, but 
it's 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 not conducive to a championship lifestyle. Yeah, right? like so, like yeah, you said, it's, you're, you're, you're kind of riding point. on your laurels a little bit. You're yeah. riding on your, your 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 grit or your you know your yeah. your, your your toughness, kind of like an athlete in other sports relying on talent almost. Yeah, ex exactly that. And talent just gets you, talent gets you to the door, man. But it's you know it doesn't get you through the door. Yeah, I think the one weight class where they kind of get away with it, I've noticed as you know as a layman who doesn't practice heavyweight MMA yeah heavyweight because yeah. you got these guys that are like as tall as me that are just fucking bra yeah. I love how like like when when Derek Lewis fights they call him a brawler you know and fighting out of whoever a striker or a you know a, a wrestler yeah. and they call Derek Lewis a brawler what the fuck is a brawler it's just it's just that he's a brawler you yeah, know what I mean they kind of let themselves go a little bit they're just you know they're just big tough so motherfuckers who 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 weigh it who weigh like uh, uh, probably an unhealthy amount for their body weight. They're yeah. strong, but they carry extra weight. And, you know, they get away with it. They're fighting these guys who are like 6'5". It's kind of insane when you think about it. But, yeah, you tend to see that at, like, heavyweight. Yeah. You won't see that at featherweight, generally. That's why heavyweight's fun. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of a different sport, like you said. You have to understand, fighting has extreme consequences. Right? You can get hurt. And the, everything is amplified when you go to the heavyweights. So yeah, you no, yeah, no kidding. So when you talk about like guys are just fighters and, and the puncher's chance, that gets amplified when you're a heavyweight. So the, yes, you're right. The, there are guys that are super athletic and there are guys that, that are they're doing it right at heavyweight. But there is more chance for the guy who's a fighter at heavyweight because if he's athletic and you can throw a big punch, it becomes amplified because the force of the punch, is, the impact is so aggressive yeah. that you can literally get hurt. Whereas in my weight class, there's very few knockouts. Right, it's just the it's 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 just the way it goes. It's very very few knockouts. So, what ends up happening is, is that guys have to rely on skill a lot more. And and I think that's why that's why guys like John Jones going up to heavyweight are kind of like tantalizing or exciting. That's why that's why I like Tom Aspinall too. He's because awesome, he's man. a proper athlete. You know what I mean? He grew up boxing. He has a wrestling background, which is very unusual from a guy from England. But he's also he's he's. He holds his weight well. He's 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 fighting at the correct weight class, and Ganu's low hanging fruit because he's he's so shredded, which is so unusual for a heavyweight. He has to practically cut down, and he's got abs. You know yeah, that's so yeah. unusual. Cyril Gan's another guy like that. You know, even like um, you know Curtis Blades having the wrestling background is, is is worth something. Yeah, that's why those guys I think are 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 exciting. And but but it, what's cool about heavyweight is again it's kind of like that cocktail of 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 guys who are a little bit more disciplined and guys who are a little bit more of a wild card, you yeah, know? Yeah. Is that who's what's that what's what's that Russian guy's name? Maybe he's Moldovan Sergei. Is it Spivak? Yeah. He he's you know, fucking fucking, you know, yeah, there's the a, polar bear. Heavyweight's fun, man. Yeah, like, Big guys, right? Fun. Just it's it's you get a lot of uh, range of fighters. That's yeah, what I like yeah. about that. But you know, they also don't have to deal with like cutting weight. That's the th that's the thing. There's one thing I wanted to ask you. We won't go too much longer here because you got to go train someone in a bit. And you know, this is a bit of a different uh, different pace of episode. I'm enjoying this, by the way. We, we yeah, should, super fun. We man. could fucking yeah, we could yeah. definitely do this again sometime. <clears throat> Love let it to, rip. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm enjoying this, bro. You know what I mean. But uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you, kind of as a as a smaller guy, and I put that in quotation marks. You're a quote-unquote smaller guy. I, I kind of wanted to wrap on what weight cutting is like because when I first met you a few months ago, we never we 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 met very briefly. We didn't actually like sit down and 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 meet until like a couple of weeks ago. But I, I briefly met you, and I uh, I didn't think of you as a small guy. <laughs> I saw the cauliflower ears, and I knew that you were 
you know, probably a guy who's done some shit on a mat at any point in time. I didn't know you were, I didn't connect the dots that you were the guy who I'd seen on Fight TV that one time. You don't come off as a little guy. You're 5'6". You're not especially tall, but you're, you're built. And you think of flyweights and you think of them being about your height, but they look, I don't know, you look mm -hmm. at Brandon Moreno. He doesn't look like a huge guy. Davidson Figueiredo doesn't look like a big guy either. Um, were you I mean, you, you did mention that you used to fight at 135 and you kind of found a way to hack the system, but yep. how, 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 I don't know, man, how, how difficult is the cut? Because you don't look like a guy who should weigh 125. How much do you weigh <laughs> right now? You I'm probably like probably weigh more than me. No, no, I'm pro I I try to probably still below 150. I mean, I'm probably still you know 48 or 47, really? 45. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm 5'10. I weigh. How much do you think I weigh? I actually want to play this game because I think a lot of people fucking don't get this right. But I think as a fighter, you'll just you'll look at a guy and know what he weighs. I would say anywhere from 158 to 163. But You're 100. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's exactly the range that I float with. Yeah. 157 to like 162. Yeah, yeah. You're off by like a pound. Yeah. So like I'm good at that. We're we're good at like. Uh, yeah, like, fuck, dude, as a fighter, as a wrestler, you got to walk in a gym. Sometimes you don't know anybody. You know, you go to a Cuban gym, a Russian gym. Size guys up. You guys size guys up because guys are going to be lying about their weight. They're going to see a small guy. They're going to put their best killer in there at middle. I went to Senegal with George for some Senegalese wrestling, and they put me with some big guy. He was, like, for sure 200 pounds. Like, hey, he's a size wrestler. <laughs> Man, the guy pushed me with one finger. So they finally, at the end, they find, and I, I put a video of it, but they finally, on my Instagram, they finally found a small guy for me to, to, to fight. Because the guys they're putting me with were, I mean, they wanted their guy, their guy to win. So I smashed the guy who was my size. But before that, they put me with a whole bunch of big guys. Yeah, it's, it's like when, when you're in the batting cage yeah. and so they, that's they why give you the weighted back. I got really good at, yeah, I got really good at telling what people fucking weigh. Because when you're a small guy, you got to protect yourself. There's no yeah. other way. You yeah, can't yeah, yeah, go yeah. and rest, fight these big guys. But weight cutting, yeah, man, it's, um, I guess it, it's become more like bodybuilding now. It's become more like right. uh, uh, bodybuilding in the sense of, it's a, like you said, it's a science, it's hacking the system, it's taking all the water out of your body. So if you're fighting two, three times a year, which was I was trying to do, um, you want to stay in shape, but you got to you gotta cut the weight. And, and we didn't do that in wrestling, so I would slim down to 135, 132, easy. Right, right, right. And, but then, That's by but fasting then, almost. Yeah, but then I real, and training, but then I realized, hey, look, uh, these, I can go to 125. If I it's include. a competitive advantage. You, you stay yep. at your weight for, for the entirety of the year. You yep. just maintain your weight, and then you just cut water weight, and you weigh that for like five exactly. minutes. Exactly. So right? I realized okay. with the water cut, I can get down to 125. I talked to a nutritionist about it. He's like, dude, you can easily be 125, even 120 with a water cut. Which is crazy, but we, yeah. we got it done. And I learned and I learned the science and I learned how to do it. So, because I have a theory that so again, I, I'm a guy who weighs 160. We'll wrap on this because uh, I know you got to go. But um, and I, I I hate kind of frantically ending episodes like this. But it's no, we're it, going it, another five. So, we got another five ten minutes, man. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. Okay, be yeah. beautiful. I love it. Okay, there we go. The the Italian mentality. It's okay. <laughs> the next guy will wait. Perfect. Okay, whatever. Um, so I don't have a lot of fat to lose. Like no homo. Like, so I'm 160. I'm like, I don't have Holy a lot, shit, man. look at those abs, man. I don't have a lot, bro. How do you get abs like that? I just, I Your don't know, Your abs are bro. better than mine, shit. I don't know, bro. So, but I think I could go to like 135. What do we got, what do we got here, man? What are we working Holy with? Holy shit. But I think, abs, this man. is like maybe 156 this yeah. morning, probably. If I had to guess, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, probably in a calorie deficit right now. Probably have to take a shit once this ends. We'll call it 155, 160 yeah, range. Yeah. I think I could probably get down to 135. People tell yeah, me could, I'm insane. Yeah. yeah, you could for sure. Easy. Is that easy? I'm not yeah. crazy. Not easy. I mean, but it, what would that feel like for me? Because again, I, I've never done MMA. I, I'd like to start actually, not to compete. I just like I'd like to defense, do it as self a, defense. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not just I, when I'm done soccer. I'm 
retiring in a couple of weeks when my season ends. Oh, like no. That, uh, yeah, it's, it's over. Like, I'll play like once a week in like a Div 1, like local thing, like yeah. regional. I'm going around the province. It's, no, no more. I want to focus on stand-up and this, I'm an adult. I got to stop Let's going go. to soccer practice. <laughs> I'd like to do something that keeps me active like during the day. You know what I mean? So yeah. I have a flexible schedule. I work for myself. I can, I can go at 11 o'clock yeah, to a gym. Do, do boxing with me, man. Whatever. My point is, I don't, so, so, so you but, know but, but, I, but I don't know, I haven't done it. So you want to know what it would feel, you I, know what feel like for a normal motherfucker. What would it feel like if I cut down 20 pounds? 20 pounds as a guy who weighs 155, maybe 25 pounds, a guy who weighs 160. What would that feel like? Okay. So first my of head going to explode. So first of all, uh, the short is yes, you, you would feel your head would explode. You feel like shit now because you've got to be to get, it's not just losing 20 people think you just lose 20 pounds, you know, or they think, oh, I can't lose 20 pounds or I can lose 20 pounds. It's not even a question of that. You need, first of all, the first thing you need is a crazy, insane cardio base. Once you have a cardiovascular base, to be able to work anaerobically through that weight cut is going to be key because you're going to need to work anaerobically through that weight cut. Like and, biking in a sauna type yeah, of thing? Yeah, or, you know, even if you are, uh, biking in a sauna would be aerobically because you're going at such a low pace in the sauna, you can't push yourself in the sauna, but you're going to need to give those aerobic, anaerobic pushes to get the heart rate going to build to break a sweat, especially smaller guys like us if you're yeah, going yeah, on to yeah. 135. Right, right, right. So if you're in good shape and you, you put yourself on a strict diet, that'll cut off maybe 3 4 5% body fat, depending on how fast your metabolism is. You're a young guy. You look lean. You could probably get it off. Yeah, people 20, think 25. I feel like I probably have another five years of being but able to do it people easily. think that if you're a big guy, you can get off the body fat percentage. You can't because you've got too much fat and muscle builds fat. A, a lot more than fat burns fat, burns fat. Muscle burns fat yeah. more than fat burns okay. fat. Yeah. So what happens is a guy like you in the short answer, man, a guy like you, you have to, you're in good, you're in good shape. You have to get a you have to get in really good, um, cardio shape so that when those, the last five pounds are coming, you, you, you know, your heart can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it would be, dude, it would be hell, especially the water cut. It would be super hell because you're completely draining yourself. Everything you have, and you're going to have nothing in the system to work with. Right. So you better be in really, really good shape. Because if I say, hey, man, you've got eight pounds left to go on, you don't have anything left to push, it's going to be tough. Yeah. If you're in good shape and you're a guy who your body's used to sweating and you're, you've done your water load properly and you've eaten properly for six to eight weeks, we can get you down. But, man, it's, 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 people think it's easy. And it was easier for me because I was, in, I was always in shape. I wasn't a guy that went into camp out of shape. If you, that's another factor, too. If you, go out of camp, if you go into camp out of shape, Fuck, it's like going on stage uh, without practicing. Yeah, bro. I don't it's know how Patty cuts down. Like, Pat, you know, he blows up to like 200 pounds as a 155er. Yeah. It makes no sense. You, you got to think that's not going to last forever. Like, yeah. like he's going to have to sharpen up at one point. Because they, they say that once you cross like the 30 threshold, I mentioned I'm 25. I figure I, and again, it's I'm never going to fight. I'm never going to fight MMA. Yeah, I mean, I I'd like mean. to do it to train. But, but hypothetically, if I wanted to, I feel like I could do it for five years easily. And then I feel like that's what it would cut in. And that's why I was saying that's so I'm 25. I feel like everyone says 30 yeah. is when it tips off. Is that true that it becomes harder to? lose weight as you get older and that's why you see guys go up in weight class everything was harder man and uh like one thing i do and i still live by this is i do like an elimination diet so as i get older i keep eliminating things from my diet to stay to stay fit to stay sharp to stay in shape it keeps me mentally and physically sharp so i'm constantly eliminating stuff from my diet and i mean that's the really only way to do it like you can't i mean only way to do it short of like being really strict with your you know with your um your food consumption, mm -hmm. if you've got good, uh, if you've got good, what do they call it? Like um, portion control. If you have that down pack, then you're fine. But man, I don't, I'm not really, we're Italian, bro. Like we go to eat, we want to eat. It's yeah. time to eat the meal. I actually do intermittent fasting because I love eating once a day and gorging. There you go. I love so it. You know you what like I mean? That, I, cal I calorie count and I just go one sitting if and you like let that, my body that's eat itself the rest of the day. And especially if your schedule is flexible, it's hard to intermittent fast when people ask me like, is it good? 
if you're working like a teacher, like it's tough because you got to be up early. Some people want to train before work. Then you have to teach people all day. Then you get home, you're exhausted, you're hungry. That I would say go more towards the portion control diet. Intermittent fasting is good for guys like us. Flexible schedule. Could fuck around for a couple hours. Take some time and not eat. And then, okay, we have to start. We have to focus. We're doing a pop. We're doing comedy. Maybe put a little bit in your system. Get the engine running. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. bang, you eat at night. Um, which is kind of how I do it now. And when I say elimination diet, I, I'm just talking about, you know, eliminating things like dairy, things like gluten, like wheat, um, things that are like just not conducive to my lifestyle or what I want to do. So, yeah, after 30, man, like before I was 30, I never cared about nutrition. And we're going full circle here because that's how I started uh, wrestling for Italy and, and realizing that I can go down a weight class was because I started to eliminate things and I started to notice my body gets it smaller. It easier And it was you. because of injuries. I had to reduce inflammation. That's why I started doing it or else I wouldn't have done it. I, wouldn't, I never cared about food in that sense. I was a guy who was fit. I was a guy who was fit. So the injuries made me think about, hey, look, people are talking about spices and cutting out this food that's inflammatory. And I was like, fuck, I got to look into this. And I felt better. I uh, appreciate you taking the time, man. I know you, you got to bounce, but I had fun. Um, hey, it was super fun shooting we'll, this shit, we'll, man. Well, we'll do this again sometime. When you man, come I'm back down. from Italy, let's do it again. Let's come in the studio. We'll be set up. Yeah. No, or maybe no, no, you no. come on my show. We're gonna get the Boomu show going again. Yeah, I'm up and yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm super down. We've got to get it going again. Running. So so by the way, I mean I'll, I'll probably have given people a little bit of a preview. We just got right into it, but I'll give people a preview that'll have been you know kind of featured at the beginning of the pod, so people will know who you are. But um, so they'll already know if I can check you out on YouTube and shit. But you know, just to rehash, uh, Jamie's on uh, Jamie's on YouTube. He's on TikTok. You're at what's what are you at? Are you Boom Boom Show everywhere? Or? No. So let's get let's this. Just, shit. just run, run, run video, through man. run let's through it right video. now. Yeah, throw throw All the right, kitchen so sink at them. You want to know where I'm at? All right, uh, let's get this on video. Okay, so I'm at Jamie Boom Boom on Instagram. Jamie Boom Boom on TikTok. TikTok worth about 130k. Um, then I got the Boom Boom Show on YouTube, and I got uh, James Mancini on Twitter. And I got, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it right now. So Good boy. All uh, right. Yeah, man, you can find me anywhere. In, and if you're ever in Montreal, you got to come check out this guy. He's an up-and-coming comedian. I didn't catch your act Sunday. I caught it the last time. It was funny. Um, keep doing it, man, because you're funny. Thanks, buddy. And uh, I think we could we could make a mess on the scene. We could be like West Islanders taking over, bro. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, this won't be the last from us, but I'm glad that we finally yeah. got to, uh, you know, kinda, uh, get, get this in. This will be coming. And sorry for making you run around, but last this week and last week, bro, if you follow me on Instagram, bro, it's like I was saying, the universe works, works in really funny ways because when I started as a show host, which is like interviewing, commentating, I mean hosting weddings now, uh, announcing, I had no idea where I would get work from and the work seems to be piling in right now. No, it's good. So it's, it's a, a blessing, good, it's knock a good, on wood. It's a good thing. Like you the know? Italians do on the head. Yeah, but, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. So I, I, I honestly am fucking busy right now. And, and again, I'm still training people. I still want to keep people fit. It's still my passion and it's where I come from. I don't want to throw that away. Yeah, it's t uh, it's tough to balance a lot of things. I do it too. Um, you, you're all over the map. I love that. I love <laughs> that about scattered. you. Yeah, I know. It's, it's good. It's good. So I'm, I'm sure our, our paths will keep crossing. Let's go. Uh, so yeah, get at Jamie. Big up, bro. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, man. Much love to you, dude. And uh, listeners, get at us on all platforms. Cultural Podcast, TikTok, yes. Twitter, Instagram, Cultural Podcast. Uh, again, this will probably be coming out while I'm in Italy, so I don't know. Catch you guys soon. Catch you guys when I'm back. Probably gonna cut this out. I fucking hate that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Enjoy the outro. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Rien n'a changé, comme un direction du vent. 
Y'a juste que je recompte un peu plus qu'avant Tu frère n'a pas de cran Prince de la ville Je m'écorte du bâtiment J'oublie le 